We live. We here. Alex, how we doing? Scar Shiesty. I love any name that's got the word Shiesty in it. Big Tom, T-Bone, how we doing? Danny Baby, get those thumbs up in early. We're talking free agents today. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it real. I think I have fucked up the way I should have done this. these free agency recaps. There has been so much going on in free agency that I just kind of kept pushing it back, you know? I was like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I just want to wait for like a few other shoes to drop. And before I knew it, the whole sky was raining shoes. They were dropping left and right. And then I was like, ah, oh, fuck. There's still more. There's too much. I don't know what to do. I got overwhelmed. And I was like, maybe I'll just never do a free agency video. Maybe they'll never notice. I don't think you guys would have gave a fuck or cared if I didn't ever do it, to be honest. But uh, I kind of wanted to because there's just so much happening right now in NFL free agency. I didn't know where to start. I was like, should I do it by position? Should I do it by day? Should I do it? How should I do it? I don't. I still don't even know how I'm going to do it, and I'm in the middle of doing it. That's the problem. Damn. Well, I want to give you um, – we're going to go position by position. And here's how I want to react. Here's how I want to grade. Here's how I want to rank the free agency moves as they relate to fantasy football. We're going to go through quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive line moves that have happened over the last month. Now, you may or may not know this, okay? On Instagram, they have a highlight feature where anytime you put up a story, you can put it to a certain highlight, and you can break up your highlights into different categories or topics, whatever you want. And on my personal Instagram, I have uh, I have rated, I have drank, and I have rated over uh, hundreds and hundreds of margaritas in New York City. And every time I drink one, stuff came to fruition it was one of just the most perfect uh indications of the entire year we always do like to talk about the other team we already did an entire video on dave montgomery joining the lions mike is but that not was before muted. we got the details of jamal williams and I put it, it on actually my gives me a bit more perspective and I on dave montgomery that i actually think and i've they prioritized hundreds, him over hundreds of jamal williams so to me that means you don't follow the me expectations on are going to be give a fuck about margaritas you won't get any value on my instagram whatsoever won't help you in your life whatsoever uh, you won't be educated. You won't laugh at all. Like nothing good will come from it, but you can follow me at Nick Ercolano. Uh, I've rated hundreds of them and everyone has a score from zero to 10. Okay. Decimals, of course, rookie scores are rounded. That's how I'm doing the scoring today. Each free agency move is going to get a score from zero to 10 of my excitement level, right? People always ask me, how do you grade your marks? Is there a criteria is there a certain, you know, ambiance, vibe of the restaurant, bartender, cuteness, number of ice cubes, right? Like, what are the factors that go into how you rate these margaritas? The number in which I give to these ratings is simply the number that pops out of my brain. That's it. I drink it, and I'm like, holy shit, 8.6. I, typically I'll take multiple sips, you know, sometimes I'll chug the whole thing. Cause I'm like, I don't believe it. You know, the first sip might be so bad because maybe they put all the tequila in last and it just got a mouthful of tequila. And I was like, I need to, you know, drink the whole one and maybe even order another one just to confirm and reconfirm what my brain just popped out. You know, we do have control. There are two, you know, two parts of your brain. You have the animal brain that just does shit. 
that just without reacting or without without thinking, it just reacts. And then there's the part that says, hey, I'm aware enough to understand that my animal brain is being a crazy person, a crazy thing within my bi biology. So I understand that my animal brain acts sometimes when I'm drinking these margs. So I have to compose myself and I have to understand that the number that pops out immediately might not be the right number. Sometimes I'm like, holy shit, this is the best mark I've ever had. Take, you know, six more sips. And I'm like, let's calm down. So that's what we're going to do today for the NFL free agents. We're going to go by position by position. And every one of them has a mark rating from zero to 10. I'll break down some of them. There's so many of them that I just, I don't even know if I could physically like survive until the end of this video. There are a lot of really good resources out there that have been covering free agency. Um, in terms of content, if you follow The Athletic, I think their podcast has done a great job breaking down free agency moves like day by day. If you're not subscribed to their podcast, I would do so. And you can kind of like backtrack and go hear what they've had to say about all the moves day by day. Uh, Underdog Fantasy on their YouTube channel, I think I've done probably the best job of, of like really diving into every fantasy relevant move. Josh and Hayden over there have done a fantastic job looking at the different free agency moves. So there are a lot of good content pieces out thus far going in depth on all this stuff. And because I've waited until most of the moves have happened at this point, I can't do like a super deep dive into the 700 moves. So we're going to try to move quickly. We're going to try to move as fast as I can giving you the ratings. And if there is something that stands out, you know, if they're like, okay, this is this fucking 6.1 kind of excited about it. It's whatever you get the gist of it. We'll move past. But you know, if we have like a 9.2 on the Richter scale, we might dive in. Monster needs to come out with a Marg flavor drink. We're tucked. Okay. Hope everyone's uh ooh, having a great where's the suit? I'm disappointed. That's insane. I can't suit up two days in a row. I've only worn a suit once in my entire life. Now you want me to do it two days in a row? Hey daddy. All right. Let's uh let's let's jump into the quarterbacks. Top of the list. Geno Smith coming back to Seattle was something I felt like was definite at first. And then I was a little unsure about whether or not he was going to come back. All in all, I'm happy for the dude. I'm happy that he's gone through the tumultuous parts of his career and he's came out unscathed. He got the three-year, $75 million contract. Also, actually, I, before we dive into numbers and stuff like that, there's so much, um, I don't want to say misinformation that goes out during this time of the year around free agency signings and contracts and stuff like that. Not misinformation, but people put out this information to the masses without any good context behind it. So, especially as it as it pertains to like trading big name players, trading veterans like the Jalen Ramsey, and then these contracts. So, with a guy like Jalen Ramsey or any of these players who end up getting traded, and all they get in return is like a fourth or a second or you know a third and a fifth round pick. And everyone freaks out. They're like, oh, my God, you got, you know, Jalen Ramsey. What did he even go for? A second-round pick or something like that? You got this guy for a second or third-round pick. 
outwardly to the public, it looks like a crazy steal. I get that. It does that does make sense. But what you have to understand is the contracts typically that come along with these guys, as well as their age and their age relevant to when their contract is going to be up, matters tremendously in these situations because it's not about like these owners have infinite money. These owners have deeper pockets than you'll ever. You can't make a pair of jeans with deeper pockets than these. These owners have so much money that the actual number that they give to these players doesn't matter. It's limitless. However, every team has to work within the salary cap on a given year. So it's not like, man, we don't want to pay Jalen Ramsey four years, a hundred million dollars. The problem comes when you have finite salary cap numbers. I don't even remember what the salary cap is, but for instance, say the salary cap is at $200 million. If you give him $25 million per year, that means you're using 10% of your salary cap on Jalen Ramsey, which makes it extremely fucking difficult to build the other parts of your team. So yes, you want good players on your team, but if the contract that he's demanding is going to take up 10 to 15 to 20% of your salary cap, that's going to be extremely problematic to building the rest of your team. It has nothing to do with the owners being cheap for the most part. It has nothing to do with them not wanting to pay. It's not wanting to pay certain premium positions, not wanting to give a contract extension, especially like a lot of these guys who get moved and you're like, oh, you know, like DeAndre Hopkins about to get moved probably, the Brandon Cookses, the Jalen Ramseys. All these guys are entering age 29, 30, 31 season and all want contract extensions. So it's not only like because they have one year left on their deal, it's like going to be $18 million towards your salary cap at the time, which is problematic because a lot of teams just don't have that space at this point. So it's like, yeah, we're giving up a second round pick. Like, wow, what a good swap. But it also means it's really difficult to add other players through free agency. And if it's a two-year or three-year deal, it makes you less flexible in the following year. So that's that's like where these trades come from, where it's not just like the player for a pick, a draft capital pick straight up. Of course, anyone would just make that swap if that's how simple it was. But the barrier to entry there is the fact that the salary cap is finite and every team has to work exactly within the flexibility of that salary cap. And those types of players make it very difficult, which make them less valuable as players going into these types of deals. Uh, What the fuck else were we going to talk about? I think that was it. Oh, a lot of the contracts too, like on the face value, they'll be like three years, $35 million. All of them are set up very different flexibility wise all of them are set up in an aspect that maybe their guaranteed money comes in the first year or maybe only you know 30 percent of that contract is guaranteed so a guy like josh oliver who got the three years 21 million dollars they have an out after the first year where like they might end up only paying him eight million dollars of that contract or whatever his guaranteed money was so it's like you could see these surface numbers, but they don't actually mean anything other than what someone's tweeting about it. it, it it's never like a direct translation of what that guy is getting into his bank account and how big of a salary cap hit that player to the team is. You'll almost never see a direct correlation of what a player's total contract is. You know, four year, $100 million. That player will almost never end up playing out the four years and getting $100 million in his bank account. Very rarely works out like that. Teams always have an out. There's a player option. There's a team option. There are trade clauses. There are salary cap bendings where it's like everything's front loaded. So by the time you get to year three, you're not actually getting paid anymore. You're getting released. Probably all this stuff is very nuanced. 
So I just wouldn't jump into conclusions as it relates to contracts being tweeted out, as it relates to trades happening with draft capital, okay? A lot of this stuff is just plugged by like agents or NFL front offices to, to move some sort of media narrative for whatever reason, okay? So I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I don't know if anyone gives a fuck. Let's talk about quarterbacks. Geno Smith, I'm just happy he got the deal. This sets Seattle up in a really cool spot where they have a very good team. They have a lot of draft picks, and they could draft a quarterback where they are in the draft. I think they're number six pick, I want to say. They're the five or six. They could draft a quarterback like Anthony Richardson if they wanted to and let him sit for a year or two years under Geno. Um, so I'm glad they brought him back. The, the signing, so a lot of these guys are like extensions or re-signings or whatever, like Daniel Jones, et cetera. Derek Carr gets me a little bit excited just because the – Saints have enough pieces on offense, enough explosive pieces on offense that um, that the quarterback there matters, right? Like Olave could be a great player if he has good quarterback play. But we've had shit quarterback play there, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, et cetera, for a little while now. And it's capped guys like Kamara, and it's capped guys like Michael Thomas, and it's capped guys like – actually, he capped himself. Straight up suicide. And it's capped guys like Chris Olave. But Derek Carr, at worst, gives you a medium quarterback, right? Guy that will complete 65% of his passes, 64%, whatever. He's like a very average quarterback on his best days. Can go pound for pound with a lot of the top quarterbacks. Maybe not the top tier, but will be fine. So the Derek Carr signing, while it's not like anything I think pushes them over the edge of the team, obviously that's a, that's a division completely up for grabs outside of Atlanta. They definitely win, but you know every other team could probably fight for a wild card spot. Derek Carr... Um, give stability to the offense, okay? So I think it's a dub for Chris Olave. So I'm kind of excited about this from a fantasy perspective because now we at least get stability here. Um, so that makes me excited. Daniel Jones, happy he got his money, happy he got his bag. They need to add some pass catchers there. Marcus Mariota, I'm not excited about this actually, but I just think it was such a fucking sharp move. It's so sharp. You have teams out here, like if you're, okay, I can can't you I can so easily picture a world where Jalen Hurts gets hurt at one point this year. Marcus Mariota steps in and they go three and one under Marcus Mariota for that stretch. Veteran quarterback can run that type of offense, will not lose you the game, especially when you have all these winning pieces around, weapons, whatever. Just such a sharp move from the Philadelphia Eagles. One year five million. When you have guys like Baker Mayfield, I think like the Dolphins signing Mike White two years sixteen million instead of getting a guy like Marcus Mariota one year five million. Like Marcus Mariota in the Miami offense, if Tua got hurt again, would be able to command that offense no problem. He's a dude that will not elevate your offense, but he will be able to make sure that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are operating at their talent level. Uh, so that was just a great fucking move by Philly. Not excited, but like whatever. Baker to, to Tampa Bay kind of excites me a little bit. Like I'm almost uh, a little trigger shy right now to say in public that I'm excited about this. I've kind of always been a Baker fan. I know he hasn't played well the last few years, but it's going into a, a good situation, okay? Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, good playmakers around him, decent offensive line. They took a step back last year, obviously, some injuries, et cetera. But he'll compete with Kyle Trask as long as they don't draft someone early in the draft. And I think Baker Mayfield will pro unless they actually absolutely hate him, I think he'll probably compete with Kyle Trask and win that job, at least for like the first half of the season to prove that he could be the guy there for this year. Um, so I don't hate him. Sit him to the Broncos. It's fine. I'm, I think it was kind of weird that the Raiders kind of let him dip. 
because he had like a nice little showing there. If he's a young quarterback of the future, like why not just test him out and see what you have there? Maybe you run into a Brock Purdy situation. Who knows? But like that was a weird move, just letting him go at his young age. Good signing for the Broncos if Russell Wilson nose dives. And I know Sean Payton apparently doesn't really like Russell Wilson. I mean, he could be a guy who steps in, get some starts this year. Darnold to the 49ers. Um, this is like a funny time of the year where everyone convinces themselves to get really excited about things that I feel like they're being dramatic about. Like Sam Darnold to the Niners. Like, oh, there you go. Like He's going to revive his career there. It's like, one, he's a third quarterback on the depth chart. Two, it's like everyone's like, oh, we've seen the talent level. It's like, we like really haven't. We've seen the talent level in like two game sample sizes. He'll go like two, maybe three games at a time where he like plays well. But like what quarterback has not fucking done that? Every quarterback has done that in their career. You know, we get overly excited. It's like longevity, longevity, successful longevity is so important. It's so much more important than just showing flashes of your upside. You need to be able to do it over a long period of time. So Sam Donald's like, oh, yeah, it's fun to theorize about him now. But like during the middle of the season, we no one was like, oh, he's so talented. We're so excited for Sam Darnold this year. It's like, no, every time he actually goes out on the football field and plays, he can't string together a month of good football. Like, he can never do it. Fuck him. Fuck him. Um, any other big sign? Jimmy G to the Raiders. Uh, it's just such a mid. I, I like, I don't really know what their plan is. I feel like it's almost like we traded for Devontae Adams. We can't just let him rot with a rookie quarterback. That contract, I think they're pretty locked into him for two years, I want to say. So maybe they draft a QB at seven. If one falls to him there, maybe they trade up. But now that you put 50 mil into Jimmy G, gets a little dicey. Um, so I don't think Jimmy G is any better than Derek Carr. I think he's I think he's worse, especially fantasy-wise. So I'm not excited. I, I gave him a fucking 3.3. A 3.3, all right? Here's how I would rate the Marg ratings. If if it's above a seven, I enjoyed it. Anywhere in the seven to seven, anywhere in the sevens range, I'm like, you know, excited enough and I enjoyed it. Over an eight is it's a rare emotional level that you're getting out of me. If you follow me on Instagram and I put up a mark that's over an eight, I'm genuinely excited about it. There have been maybe four to five. Listen, I've tried hundreds, hundreds of marks in New York City. There have been. I want to say five places, five places in the entirety of my Mark drinking career that have gotten above a nine. And no, there have never been a 10. There's never a 10. There never will be a 10. Because if I find a 10, that just means I found the perfect margarita and I just have to stop rating them. I'll have to move on to a new drink. Not happening. There have been five scores over a nine. So that's how my rating system works. If you dip below a six, you're just, you're not good. You're not good for business. Okay. I guess I should have ranked Marcus. I'm not excited about Marcus Mariota. This is, these scores are for fantasy. All right. So I'm not excited about Marcus Mariota, but I just thought it was a sharp ass move from Philadelphia's front office. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is another dude who falls into that like Sam Darnold category. People are like, oh, Jacoby Brissett, what a sharp signing. It's like Jacoby Brissett fucking like is whatever. It's whatever. Browns are like four and seven last year. He threw for 280 yards like one time in 11 starts. He was also surrounded by like, very good weapons, an incredible run game, uh, really good offensive line. It was almost like the Jalen Hurts situation for Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was like, eh. And now he's one year older. It's whatever. Like, he'll compete with Sam Howell, but it's not fucking let's – not, let's not romanticize Jacoby Brissett over here. Let's everybody relax. Um, 
what else we got? Taylor Heineke, the Falcons, 0.1. Lamar Jackson, tagged by the Ravens, 0.1. I never really gave my opinion on this whole situation. Uh, thought he was going to be a Falcon. Thought he was going to be a Falcon. So that score is, is, is like excitement followed up by disappointment, you know? It's people tweeting out ignorant things coming off the combine. Combine weekend, like Falcons front runners to get Lamar. I thought we had it locked up. I was on the NFL website ordering custom Lamar Jackson Falcons jerseys. I almost pulled the trigger. I almost ordered it. What if he didn't go to, and now he doesn't go to Atlanta. I'm out here wearing a fucking Lamar Jackson Atlanta jersey. Almost made a fool of me. Point one. Point one, Baltimore. Hate this fucking game that you're playing. Grow up. Grow up. Cooper Rush. Uh, I'm not really sure why I gave him a negative 51 and a half. I got nothing against Cooper Rush. Just an uninspiring move. Probably should have just left him off the list. I think I I might have just like read a tweet at the time. Like at the time I was scoring that score in particular, I just probably read a stupid tweet or watched a fucking dumb TikTok that kind of pissed me off. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm just pissed right now. Negative 51 and a half. Uh, running bikes. All right. So we have three guys that, that caught the tag. We have Tony P. We got Josh Jacobs. We got Saquon Barclay. So Pollard's the only one that rated above an eight, which again is a high excitement level. The reason I think there's probably a lot of people that will get far more excited about Tony Pollard than I will. Um, I'm kind of looking at this from a long-term perspective. There's a few different vantage points that we could touch on here. Zeke is going to be a post June 1st cut or is he designated as that? That's kind of weird. I don't really understand how that works. Like, can he, I feel like that puts him in a terrible spot because by the time June one comes, I'm assuming he can't have like a contract or can't get a trade or something before then. By the time June one comes, every team kind of has their depth chart. Every the NFL draft is coming gone, so they're already have used their draft capital on running backs. So I feel like it puts him in a terrible position. Um, so I'm not really sure like how this works for Zeke, but he won't be with Dallas next year. Tony Pollard obviously had a monster breakout year last year. Will be the RB one there. Thing about Tony P is. He'll be he'll be 26 going into this year, and they tagged him. Now, going into next year, he'll be 27. And let's say let's say he has a good year, but not a great year. Going to be 27 the following year is a team. I mean, we're seeing what what's happening with Austin Eckler right now. Austin Eckler is 27, I think. And note, I don't think the Chargers don't want to give him an extension, right? Because by the time you're done with this contract, that running back's going to be 31, 30, 31. And, you know, they just did it with Zeke. They probably don't want to make that same mistake again. So I, I get a little bit nervous that Tony Pollard is going to catch the tech this year, possibly again next year. I don't know if there's a team that's willing to like go in on Tony Pollard at the age of 27 going into next year. Like I would have much, I'd have been so much more comfortable if the Cowboys gave him a three-year deal, even if it's like two years fully guaranteed, where it's like there's an out after two years, but you're getting two straight years of like good production. And I think you'll get great production out of him this year. I just like, if he gets injured or some shit, right? If he gets injured, misses like six games with a high ankle sprain or some shit, teams are going to be like, every, you like to think about best case scenario. It's really easy to be like, Tony Pollard is going to be an RB1 this year. Then he's going to get a three-year fucking $35 million deal next year. There are way more outs for this type of situation to go poorly for him. If the offensive line in Dallas does poorly this year, his performance will, will be poor. 
if he has a high ankle sprain that get, keeps him out for six games, is there going to be a team that sees him next year and says, hmm, we've actually never seen this guy operate as a workhorse. We've never seen him be able to hold up throughout the course of a season, touching the ball 300 times. Let us give him workhorse money. Let him be part of our plan to be a workhorse in 2024, 2025. Very unlikely. So I'm excited for him for this year for the tag. Long-term, I have my hesitancy about Tony Pollard because he's older already. It's like we've been waiting for him to be the guy there in Dallas, but we've been waiting so long that he's he's getting there, right? He's not 24 right now. He's about to turn 26 going into next year when he's off the tag, he'll be 27. I think there's I think there's a conversation to be had here about Tony Pollard. Damian Harris signs with the Buffalo Bills. I thought that was just like an extremely sharp. I was actually, I tweeted out Zeke to Buffalo, which I I think that kind of goes hand in hand about the player they were trying to add. Obviously puts a damper on James Cook, but this could be, Damian Harris could score 15 touchdowns this year in Buffalo. I still think he's a really good player. I think he's a really underrated runner. Um, Obviously the goal, a lot of the goal line work will probably go to him. Devin Singletary's out of there. He signs with uh, Houston, which is fucking 1.9 or on the list. Actually, I mean, uh, I should be more excited about that because I think it is good for Damian Pierce, to be honest with you. But Damian Harris to Buffalo, I think it's kind of awesome. We don't have the salary details yet. I'm assuming it's probably not a very um, lucrative financial investment here. Um, sorry, just making sure. Every once in a while, I get nervous that like my mic's just been off the whole time and you guys would be yelling at me in the comments, but you're not. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Damian Harris. Yes. Uh, I like Damian Harris. I think he's like a very sneaky, good pick. Everyone's getting excited about James Cook, but this is one of the reservations I had about Cook coming into last year under 200 pounds. They're just never going to give him the workhorse load. Can he get 10 to 12 touches and be exciting sometimes? Sure. But not getting goal line work. Uh, Damian Harris competing with Josh, Josh Allen for goal line work. So it gets a little messy there, but I think he could be like one of the more underrated players in fantasy this year. Rashad Penny going to the Eagles. I get the excitement level. I do. I understand it. If everything goes perfect, Rashad Penny could be a monster in fantasy this year. He's been really good in his limited sample over the last you know year, two years, three years when he's actually healthy and on the field. Uh, the contract, one year, $1.35 million. Again, another sharp deal. Very, very similar to like the Marcus Mariota quarterback for Philly. Rashad Penny to Philly, like upside play. Best case scenario. Got a good player, a really good player. A lot of ways that this can go sideways. They also did have B. John Robinson visiting last night, so that tells you that they don't feel completely comfortable at the position. They let Miles Sanders go, obviously. They re-signed Boston Scott. They got Kenneth Gainwell. Feels like it's still very much going to be a committee. Um, Rashad Penny, if he can stay healthy, this is obviously a really exciting signing behind probably the best offensive line in the league, um, bringing back Jason Kelsey. So exciting for sure. I'm not going to get out over my skis because I think that contract kind of tells you the way that they feel about him or the comfort level or the overall, like how big of a part of a plan you're going to be to our offense. Again, last year suffered a very big injury for like the seventh fucking consecutive year. Guy can't stay healthy, but I think on limited touches, he could be very good for them. Um, so I don't want to overshoot his upside. I, well, I won't say that. I think his upside is very real. I think it's very high. I think they've pretty much shown that they don't really have a lot of faith in Kenny Gainwell to be like a big part of their offense. It could be a minimal part of a committee for sure, a successful one. Um, but also with Rashad Penny, like you're getting Jalen Hurts stealing fucking 15 touchdowns a year on the goal line. Rashad Penny 
the upside is very much there, but the likelihood of that upside hitting is also very much not there. So don't want to get out over my skis. Josh Jacobs, uh, I think my excitement level at 7.5, which is a fucking high score, is the fact that they re-signed him and it's like the same staff there, which tells you that like them denying his fifth-year extension or fifth-year uh, team option, but then putting the tag on him tells you that they're probably ready to roll him back again with the exact same structure that they did last year. So don't be surprised when Josh Jacobs, I don't know if he'll be as effective, but he'll get the same volume. So right now I feel like where he's going in drafts, like best ball, especially he is, uh, he's a really good value. I think he's going like the third round. So he'll get as much volume as I think he did last year. Same thing with Saquon, uh, nothing much to talk about there. Miles Sanders. So the next three, three guys are big shakeups. Miles Sanders goes to Carolina four years, $25 million. So $6 million a year. Like again, the number seems big when you see like 25 million to a running back, but over four years, Goes to Carolina. Carolina's building up a really strong offensive line. They still have a ton of pieces that they need to figure out, you know, offensively and just the whole team overall. Reunites with Deuce Staley, running back coach, uh, which is where he had his, I don't want to say best years because his best year was obviously last year, but his most uh, volume-based year, especially from a three-down skill set. Had a ton of targets when he was with Deuce Staley in Philly. His target numbers and his pass-catching stuff has dipped off tremendously the last couple of years. With Deuce Staley... I get that he liked Miles Sanders a lot in Philly, and this I think you could twist this into being an exciting move. Deonta Foreman is is out of there, I think, for the most part. I don't think he signed. Oh, yeah, he, did. he signed to Chicago. So he's out of there. They have Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard is fucking the definition of mid. So I think Sanders gets a lot of work. I do have hesitancy whether or not this will be a committee. I know they gave him the money, but they didn't give him like a crazy amount of money. Um, Deuce Staley has turned into like a complete running back by committee guy as well. Like we saw, he came over from Detroit. He was with the Detroit Lions backfield for the last couple of years. And that obviously worked as a committee. And he had spoken about it multiple times. He came out in the offseason. He came out throughout the years talking about how he wanted to have a committee there. So it's going to be a bad offense. Um, so his touchdown opportunities will not be anywhere near what they were last year. I think he's a fine RB2. He might have enough volume to make him like a top 15 fantasy running back. I think there's a chance that his efficiency numbers here won't be that high. And that could make him dip down to like, you know, RB 23, RB 24 in that range. So I'm not overly excited about the move. David Montgomery goes to Detroit to fill in for Jamal Williams while Jamal Williams goes to New Orleans. Now, David Montgomery gets three years, $18 million. It's a bad move for Montgomery fantasy wise because you know there's nowhere besides Chicago he was getting all the touches right he was he was a complete workhorse he's not going to get that in Detroit with DeAndre Swift I also still think DeAndre Swift is a value I like David Montgomery I mean you look at what Jamal Williams did last year obviously fucking 40 plus carries inside the 10 yard line beast scoring touchdowns on the league all that kind of shit you can imagine a world where David Montgomery does something similar obviously you can't bank on the same touchdown numbers but you can bank on a lot of volume you know double digit carries per game a lot of goal line opportunities, which I think is very clear. That's what they want to give him. This will be a committee between him and Swift, without a doubt. Um, I think both of them are like back-end RB2s for right now. I'm sure one of them will end up finishing the season with like 12 touchdowns and, and end up being a very good value pick. But with David Montgomery, I mean, he's not going to be a three-down player anymore. He's not going to get 75% of the touches anymore in the backfield. Can he be efficient? I think this Lions team is actually going to be super fucking good this year even under Jared Goff. I think they put all the pieces in place. Um, I think this was just like signing a good football player that has a tough mentality, you know, add to that 
type beat that they got going on there in Detroit. Um, so I like the signing from a real life perspective more than I do for fantasy because it makes it a really messy backfield. I also think DeAndre Swift is a really fucking good running back. I was putting together a dynasty video that I was doing research for, and it was dynasty players to buy at an all time low. And DeAndre Swift was the first time, the first guy. And his value on a site like Keep Trade Cut has never been lower than it is right now. And th these charts I actually got before they even signed David Montgomery. So it's probably even lower. Now, my thought process on this was during the rookie season, right? As I'm evaluating rookie running backs, what we, what we typically do is look at how good they were on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Like how good were you as a running back? How many yards were you able to create on your own how many broken tackles and missed tackles were you able to force how good was your offensive line how bad was it relative to how good you were statistically right how often were you breaking off explosive plays 10 10 plus yard run rate 15 plus yard run rate um just overall elusive rating i'm like man we put so much stock into that when it comes to rookies we look at all those players There's the reason i love kendra miller because all of those like individual objective statistics for him as a pure runner are so high and we don't even know where he's going to land or what his offensive line is behind him. DeAndre Swift, I basically went through the same process. And I looked at all of the numbers from DeAndre Swift just as a running back by itself. Filtered out like every running back from last year. Among 50 qualified running backs last year, DeAndre Swift's yard. Uh, I wonder if I could like put this up for you guys somewhere. Let me see what I can do here. Give me a second. Boy. All right. I think you guys can see this. So this chart right here, basically the stat, what his number was for it, the NFL rank among these running backs, and then percentile. So like Noah used a lot of percentile ranks, and it's like, okay, he ranked in the 94th percentile among the position. And that's like a big indicator of how good a running back is. Yards per carry of 5.6, third in the NFL, 94th percentile. His elusive rating, top 10. There weren't very many statistics I think yards after contact per attempt in which he ranked outside the top 10. He was number 14, but still in the 71st percentile. His 10-plus yard run rate, number nine overall, 81st percentile. His 15-plus yard run rate, 94th percentile, third overall. Targets per game, eighth. Receptions per game, 10th. Receiving yards per game, sixth. Targets per route run, sixth. 87 and a half percentile, or 88th percentile. Uh, or no, that was, uh, that was receiving yards. Targets per route run, second in the NFL, yards per route run, fourth in the NFL, pass block grade, fifth in the NFL, 90th percentile. So we're looking at all these things, and I'm like, man, in every category that we would typically look at a running back, DeAndre Swift is smashing it, not at the fucking college level, at the NFL level. I know it's the injuries that continue to rise up, but I feel like now, I, I was not on DeAndre Swift last year because I was like nervous about the committee. And Deuce Staley is now out of Detroit, so like, this is going to be a committee, obviously, with Montgomery coming in, but I have hope for Swift. If I'm in a dynasty league and I can get him for a discount, this will probably be the last year that he's with Detroit. 
but he's a dude that I still think his best days as an NFL player statistically are ahead of him. Might sound weird, but he came into the, the league very, very young. Um, I think his second contract will prove to be better than his first contract because I still think it's not like we're looking at these numbers and he's, you know, a mid running back. It's not like he's ranking 21st or 28th in a lot of these things. He's top five or top 10 in almost every single efficiency individual statistic in the NFL. Jamal Williams to New Orleans. Um, this was just a great signing by them. Great teammate, great player, obviously, to get into your system. He's like going to play the Mark Ingram role, but he might be more, he might be the Mark Ingram plus role because Alvin Kamara right now, like, Alvin Kamara's peak value is already it, it's far coming on, obviously, in Dynasty. We should have, I, I think I should have one of my mistakes was not really like understanding how big of a value dip he was going to take moving away from both Sean Payton and Drew Brees. That offense was designed around giving him dump offs, and he'll never get the type of volume in the passing game again. He's probably going to get a suspension this year, too. Um, so Jamal Williams is going to be a guy who it's kind of similar to the Montgomery and um, Swift situation where Jamal Williams will get more starts this year because Kamara will probably be suspended and he'll be a good player for you for a minute. He'll get a lot of the goal line work. He'll get the majority of the goal line work, I think, um, in probably an underrated offense. So I think he's he's fine. I think uh, he'll probably be drafted as like a maybe a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 because you'll get a lot of production in the early part of the year if that's when Kamara suspended. And then when Kamara gets back, I mean, Jamal Williams is not going to have a lot of pass-catching work. I think if you looked at the individual numbers, like David Montgomery is a better running back than Jamal Williams is. Jamal Williams is not like a make a guy miss. He's like, a, I'm not going to fuck up anything. And then when you need me to do something, let me, you know, fucking let me cook. Um, What else? No, nothing else is really exciting on this list. I think the Dolphins re-signing Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert were both like just very sharp. Both like they're just very good in the running game last year, especially in the games where Tua was there. So I think getting them on minimal deals to just like round out their running back again, the running back group, I think it was just a sharp play. They've already proven to be effective for you. So I'll probably be drafting a little bit of both of those guys as long as they don't add an early, you know, day two pick at the running back position. So Maji P. Ryan of the Broncos might speak something to um, Javante Williams' injury, which is apparently worse than originally projected, but they also have nothing really else at running back. So maybe they just wanted to get a decent veteran there. Alexander, two for seven, re signing. Uh, I guess it doesn't really look like Dalvin Cook's going to get traded. This is definitely like backup money, obviously. It's less money than Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, they clearly don't believe in him to be the future of the position unless they fucking swindled him and then they trade Dalvin Cook and now they have him on a two-year $7 million deal. That'd be sharp as shit. Uh, but yeah, Madison's just going to be Madison. I think so. It is what it is. And you had to form into the Bears. Kind of kind of pissed me off because I wanted them to let Khalil Herbert just absolutely rip. Um, Foreman probably get enough work because he was good enough last year. Probably means they're not going to draft a running back early. If they do, it'll be some sort of pass-catching running back that complements Foreman and Herbert. James Robinson to the Patriots is just like, I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know what they're doing in New England there. Um, Devin Singletary to the Texans. Like, I guess that's kind of good um, because now, I don't know. I saw a lot of mock drafts where Houston was drafting guys like Zach Charbonnet, you know, early fourth round and the third round. And I'd rather have Singletary there, who I don't think is very good outside of a Buffalo offense. Um, so, I don't know. Singletary signing was a little bit weird. I don't think he really compliments Pierce. I think he's just like a worse version of Pierce. Cream Hunt, Jarek McKinnon still free agents. Let's move over to the wide receiver positions. Uh, Atlanta with one of the sharpest signings in free agent 
see this year, uh, possibly in free agency history. Matt Collins at 9.9. This move pretty much cements the fact that Super Bowl goes through Atlanta this year. I haven't talked about Carolina trading up um, to the number one overall pick, so I guess I will get my thoughts about that on paper now for you guys to crucify me. Here's what I want to say. Everyone sees trades, and they immediately like want to pick a winner and a loser. Everything is black and white. Like, oh, this team got fleeced. This team fucking dominated that trade. It's very easy to look at what Chicago got and be like, wow, they absolutely dominated that trade. What a sharp move. That's such a fucking easy position to be in. You have who you think the quarterback of the future is in Justin Fields and the number one overall pick. It is way harder to fuck that position up than it is to actually get a good deal out of that position. Did they get a good deal? Yeah, like they're set up phenomenally for the future. But like, it's so easy to look at the trade now and get excited. But that's only because you had to suffer for fucking four years of shit football. Like absolute shit football. So it's easy to get jealous of the Chicago Bears. Like you weren't jealous of them last year while they were playing football or the year before or the year before. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't think they're worth commending in this move. Like, that was so fucking easy. Imagine fucking that position up. Having the quarterback and the number one overall pick. Fucking light work. But I am getting a little bit more excited about DJ Moore and Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields, night and day improvement from last year to this year in a passing angle. Um, we obviously know how good he was from a rushing perspective. He was awesome. I think he was a great college passer. That doesn't always translate to being great NFL passer, but like... Literally, he had fucking nothing to work with last year. They did not give him a single weapon to work with. They did not give him any O-line signings this year, last year. And this free agency couldn't have been any different. They get him DJ Moore. They traded for Chase Claypool last year. Darnell Mooney. What DJ Moore does is make the entire offense more effective because it takes so much responsibility off of dudes like Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney to just operate as a two or three. Those guys are best as role players. But when you're forced to be the number one, you can't play the role that you're designed to play. You have to be the do-everything alpha on the offense. Now both of them can be role players. Now Chase Claypool can be a possession guy. Now Darnell Mooney can be a deep threat guy, while DJ Moore operates as the one, as the alpha, which he has done every year in Carolina. Um, So I've been getting more and more excited about DJ Moore's prospects and just building with Justin Fields as a player. So I'm excited about that trade, as you can see, 7.8. Michael Thomas, my third most excited player on this list. I think he's in for a bounce back here. I couldn't have been further away from the dude last year. wanted absolutely fucking nothing to do with him. This is just kind of a vibe feel, to be honest. I think he's going to have a bounce back here this year. I don't think it's going to be like a top 12 play, but I think Michael Thomas, wherever he's going right now, I'm assuming he's probably getting picked as like the wide receiver fucking 45 or 50. I think with Derek Carr, he's going to revive his career a little bit. I think he will finish as, I don't know, top 30, maybe top 25 wide receiver. I think he's probably one of the better values in all fantasy right now for redraft for this year. Um, I think he's over the injuries now. You know, all everything from coaching and front office has been like flipped over to the point where that old regime where he had problems with is done, taken care of. He should be fully healthy going into this year. And I think where you're able to draft him now, as opposed to last year where people are trying to get him in like the sixth round, which is insane, given all the smoke and all the red flags that were surrounding him. Um, I think most of those are gone. And you're having a fresh offseason to work with Derek Carr and a new quarterback. So actually like Michael Thomas. Cooks goes to Dallas. I think it was just a great NFL play because they have like really nothing behind C.D. Lamb. Um, and now they're going to be a much different offense because Kellen Moore is out of there. He's now in L.A. 
or he's, yeah, he's now in LA with the Chargers. So they're not going to pass as frequently. I think they will probably bring in another running back, and this will be uh, a run-heavy offense. But they're going to throw enough to the point where, like, CeeDee Lamb and another receiver, Dalton Schultz is out of there, obviously, sign in Houston. So Cooks will be the number two target there most likely. Um, so I think by volume, just by sheer force, he'll probably end up with, you know, 900, 950 receiving yards this year in Dallas. So good trade there. Uh, what else? Nothing else really excites me. Darius Slayton was more just like I'm happy for him. I like the, I like him. I like him resigning with New York. Good good playmaker. Nothing really great about fantasy. Jacoby Myers goes to uh, LV. We're like, here's the thing. I think we saw best case scenario with Jacoby Myers. There was there was there's not another NFL team in the league outside of whatever the fuck you would consider the Patriots receiving core to have been last year that will have Jacoby Myers operating as a wide receiver one. There just wasn't a situation in which that was ever going to happen again. And now he's moving over to Las Vegas where he's got Jimmy G. Devontae Adams is obviously going to suck up 165 targets. Um, So Jacoby Myers is just like a very uninspiring. He was already an uninspiring fantasy player. Um, On his best days, he was like a wide receiver two maybe. I think this is – I don't know. Ah, I'm fucking not drafting his ass. I kind of like Robert Woods, though, to Houston, to be honest, because they don't have a one there either. They have Nico Collins, you know, whatever. John Mechie may be coming back. Um, Robert Woods, now two years removed from the ACL. I know he's old, so it's like, does it, does it even matter at this point because he's so old? But uh, it was hard to get on board with him last year being, like, ripe off of a mid to late season torn ACL. Kind of fuck with him this year. I kind of think he's going to be a decent value play. Because they're going to draft a quarterback, and they will have, whether it's Young or Shroud, they will have an accurate quarterback under center. And Robert Woods will be playing the slot, basically. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for 750, 800 receiving yards this year. Kind of like Woods as a value. Kind of hate Juju Smith going to the Patriots. Again, I don't really – he's not a separator. He is horrible versus man coverage, which is where Jacoby Myers kind of prospered. Uh, maybe – yeah, I don't know. I guess they have a plan for him. They're going to let him run a muck over the slot, over the middle of the field. They're not a prolific passing offense by any means. Um, if if you guys uh, subscribe to Matt Harmon's reception perception, where he like charts every receiving fucking. every uh, receiver and their routes run and everything, and then splits it up by press man zone and talks about their percentile success rate. Juju Smith-Schuster ranks as like one of the worst receivers against man coverage every year. Even in the year he had fucking 8,000 yards, one of the worst against man coverage. He's been terrible at separating versus man coverage. The offense needs to utilize him as a zone player. And if they could do that, he'll be fine. This is just not an offense I really want to buy. Like, I don't know if I'll go as far as saying I'd rather have Devontae. I might rather have Tyquan Thornton than both of those fuckers. Just give me some upside. Adam Thielen to the Panthers, I think, was good. I think it was just a nice veteran signing. Deontay Hardy, I don't even really know who the fuck he was, but there, I've listened to enough podcasts about like real people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about, not like fantasy podcasts, but like NFL, The Athletic, Dave Brugler, Lance Erline, those kind of guys that have said enough things about Deontay Hardy for me to actually like take a peek at him. They're basically saying like Deontay Hardy is going to be in this offense what they wanted Isaiah McKenzie to be last year. I don't know if I really buy that, but. We'll see. Alan Lazard gets a nice money bag because of Aaron Rodgers. He'll play like the Corey Davis role. Not fun. 
Um, and here are the other free agents still available. Odell, DJ Chark, Nicole Hardman, Jarvis Landry, Julio, Olamide, Zacchaeus. Or Julio, Julio didn't retire? I thought he retired. Marvin Jones. Yeah. Uh, I don't give a fuck. Let's go to tight ends. Falcons up there again. Unreal trade by them. Jonu Smith comes in, reunites with Arthur Smith. Give that a 9.9. Um, just further cementing the fact that Super Bowl goes through Atlanta this year. Love the fucking Evan Ingram re-signing or tag, whatever. Evan Ingram was so good for them last year. You're building up the best offense you possibly can around Trevor Lawrence. It would have made no sense for them, them to let this guy go. And Evan Ingram's like, I don't know where he's getting drafted right now, but it's too fucking low. He just was the tight end three and now attached to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't see a world where he finishes lower than like the tight end six. I think it was just a sharp move getting him back there. Let's work our way from the bottom up here. Um, those other guys, Irv Smith, Foster Moreau, Austin Hooper, not signed. I am very intrigued to see where Irv Smith and Foster Moreau both go because I think they're both good pass catching tight ends and a team can get them on a value play and maybe be a starter for them. So I'll keep a close eye on them. Mercedes Lewis, I know it was kind of like a joke that Aaron Rodgers put him on his wish list for players he wants to sign. Mercedes Lewis was both uh, like a top 10 graded tight end in pass blocking and run blocking. So a team would actually be pretty fucking smart to sign this dude as a blocker at the tight end position. Josh Oliver, another dude who fits into that category. He's a great blocker. Uh, hasn't done shit in the pass catching role. Gets a fucking erroneous contract. Three years, 21 million from the Vikings. Negative 15. Tunyon, don't care. Kasicki going to the New England, don't care. He's not a good player. Hayden Hurst going to Carolina, kind of interesting. I don't see this. This is what I don't understand. Carolina goes out and makes moves like Adam Thielen, um, Miles Sanders, uh, Hayden Hurst, like all moves that don't make your team like tremendously better, but they make you better as a franchise. Why do you got to wait until you blow the fucking top off your franchise to make moves like this? Why don't teams just make moves like this all the time? Why are you not signing these players two years ago? Why are we not signing good players every offseason that you can get for a discount? I don't know. I don't fucking know. The NFL just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, Hayden Hurst is just a good player to add to your offense. Regardless. Like, what have you been fucking rolling out at tight end, Carolina, that you can't sign a dude like Hayden Hurst on a reasonable deal? Like, the experiment at tight end has been a, a bigger disaster than the fucking COVID experiments, whatever they were doing out in that lab. I don't know what they've been doing at in Carolina. They finally got their fucking head on their shoulders and are starting to run a respectable franchise. Uh, Texans get Dalton Schultz. I think the deal came out that it was almost uh, maybe $6 million. Crazy tight end market. The fact that Schultz has the year that he did last year and then gets fucking $6 million, terrible. Houston, hard to really believe in that passing game. That, Like I said, they signed Robert Woods, but like uh, the upside in that passing game is not one that I really want to buy into. I don't know where you can get Schultz. Maybe you can get him at like tight end fucking 14. And at that case, I guess I'm a little bit excited about it, but I don't know if he's good enough to like make a ton of plays on his own. Might've been just as much of a product of the Dallas offense as he is like good of a player. And you don't get that one side of the equation now being in Houston's offense. Um, Darren Waller goes to the G-men. They make this move. I think it's really easy to get really excited about this move as soon as it happens. I think Darren Waller 
has not really been good on a football field in like two years. And anytime someone is older and we're trying to rechase their prime while they're not, they're no longer in that age prime place anymore. Uh, it gets risky. So the upside is there because Waller's fucking super athletic and he's a beast and they have nothing going on in New York. This was also the same franchise that gave Kenny Galladay like a billion dollars a few years ago. And now he's not on their team anymore. I, he's, he won't be a dude I'm drafting like as a top four, top five tight end. Like he has been the last few years. If I can get Darren Waller down at like tight end eight in drafts, tight end nine, I'll draft him. If I actually have to pay for the Darren Waller of, of fucking three, four years ago, he won't be the guy for me. If he can stay healthy the full year, which is a huge ask for him at this point, he can probably rack up a ton of fucking targets there. Um, I always side on pessimism as it relates. We've seen these stories play out so many times. We've seen the red flags. We've seen the injuries at the older age start to add up. We've seen the let's chase the prime that he hasn't actually shown us in fucking years. Very rarely does it hit. Every once in a while, sure. But like, I don't typically like to just throw my chips on those types of bets over and over and over again. I think it's bad process. I think it leads to a lot more fucking L's than it does dubs. So Waller, 6.8. Not, I'm not unexcited about it, but I'm not like, I'm not making a fucking reservation at that restaurant, at that bar to go back and get that mark. You know what I'm saying? You flip those 8.6. I'm on resi. I'm like, let me know when a fucking dinner. Let me know when a 730 on a Friday night opens up. I got my phone sitting there with my fingers ready to pull the trigger. I'm drafting him at tight end three because I'm so excited about it. Just not just not where I'm at with Waller. I have uh, I have soaked the flames on that excitement a little bit because of what we just haven't seen the last few years. Let's move over to O-line. Now, O-line is an interesting one because we have two just like incredible signings. Atlanta, these aren't even free agency guys. These are um, two guys that were on our team that we re-signed to extensions. Caleb McGarry, Chris Lindstrom, uh, 9.9. It's just incredible signings by Atlanta. Just further cementing that Super Bowl runs through us. Everybody's excited about O-line fucking signings. It doesn't matter if you're signing some shit player or you're signing some due to three-year $86 million deal. No one knows shit about the O-lines, okay? Um, any O-line signing, in my opinion, is good. Good depth, whatever. If it hits, awesome. If not, whatever, move on. I think a lot of these signings, um, what you could do if you have PFF, like if you, if you subscribe to the PFF Premium, I also want to say Chris Lindstrom, literally number one overall graded offensive lineman in the entire NFL last year. So absolutely fucking love that signing. Caleb McGarry, number eight overall among all guards, tackle centers. So two top eight offensive linemen in the entire NFL last year re-signed him. You guys think I'm joking. You guys think this is a biased score. You think it's biased. It's not. It's not. It's real. Everybody else, 8.5. Cool. I'm fucking excited. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm a fan of any team, I'm like, sick. We signed some offensive linemen. Like, everybody thinks every offensive line signing is going to be awesome. Usually never. It usually sucks. Usually sucks. The uh, Mike McGlinchey signing, five years, $87.5 million. Didn't like that. Didn't like that at all. Locking up a lot of finances into a guy who's not phenomenal. 
not phenomenal. I think he's average. I think he's fine. I think he's fine. I'm I'm not overly excited about that. Um, if you go to PFF, if you go to the premium aspect of their package, and you look at the grades, you can look at the overall grades. I think a lot of what these players get signed for. There's two categories as it relates to the blocking grades on their site. Obviously, there's run blocking and then there's pass blocking. There's guys who they like the Falcon sign who are just elite at both of them. And then a lot of these other guys are one or the other. Some of them are phenomenal run blocking linemen and terrible pass blocking linemen and vice versa. So that's what a lot of these guys end up being. Um, I think the Steelers did an underrated good job of signing some offensive linemen. Uh, they had another dude that wasn't on this list for some reason, I think. Or I actually took off some of the dudes that we don't have the contract details of yet. But I think the Steelers did a sneaky good job grabbing offensive linemen. I think um, the commanders I liked as well. Andrew Wiley was a really, really underrated signing. I think uh, – what else do we got? Broncos obviously retooling with McGlinchey and Ben Powers. I mean, listen, if you weren't going to make any other moves, I guess I don't hate the McGlinchey move, but, like, fuck them. Uh, what else do we got? Yeah, I, th I think the other ones that were interesting are obviously like Chiefs letting go of Orlando Brown, Jawan Taylor coming in, kind of like you know go going a little bit younger there. Orlando Brown going to the Cincinnati Bengals, good tackle. Probably means Jonah Williams' time might be up there after this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, not much more to say about that. I don't think. And I think we've made it through free agency. Uh, what did I miss? I had to have missed something. Or a lot of things. We didn't put I think we manually put most of the trades on the sheet, so I might have missed a trade or two. How we doing? Where's Shaq Mason? I don't think he I don't think he has signed yet. Oh yeah. Does Shaq Mason not have his um hold on. I, I took him off the list. He is somewhere. He did get signed somewhere. Give me a sec. Shaq Mason, he got traded, I think. Right? Am I tripping? Hold on. We didn't manually put in all the trades, so we might have missed. Um, Lamar Jackson needs the support that T-Law has. All right, so th that's the thing. This is realistically, you know, it, it's really easy to be like, uh, they're not one piece away from the Super Bowl. They're not one quarterback away from getting to the playoffs and going to the Super Bowl. What happens is what happens is like what Aaron Rodgers is doing externally and outwardly to the world where he's demanding players come. When you sign a dude like Lamar Jackson, do you know what happens? All of those dudes that are veterans that have a year, two years, three years max left in the NFL want to play with a dude like that. Okay? So you sign a dude like Lamar Jackson, right, to your team, and guess what? You might also sign an offensive lineman with them. You might all you you start to be able to get those guys like I don't know the Robert Woodses, the OBJs, like players like that, the Corey Davises, that aren't needle movers, but you put them underneath Drake London and Kyle Pitts, and now they're your wide receiver three, four, five on the depth chart, as opposed to like fucking Alameda Zacchaeus and and dudes like that, and the team skyrockets. Players want to play with superstars. You know what I mean? So it moves the needle in many different facets. It's not just like, oh, let's put Lamar Jackson on a shit team and he's going to do everything. It's like, no, it's way easier to start 
moving the needle on other players and other players now want to come to a market where they didn't want to beforehand. So let's get that fucking Lamar Jackson trade in place. Atlanta, you piece of shit. Lynchrum better than Zach Martin. He's the best. Literally number one, dog. Trade to Houston. Okay, yeah. Houston, now, I mean, they re-signed Laramie Tunsil, which is obviously a great signing by him, or great signing by them. Um, traded to, yeah, I love that move for them. It was like a very low-risk move, obviously. And now you start to develop a good group of offensive linemen for um, whatever young quarterback you have coming in. Whether it's Shroud or Bryce Young. On a free topic, can we talk about aging running backs, what your thought process on them is? Um, I mean, that could be a whole video in itself. Also depends whether or not you're talking about dynasty or redraft. I think very much like the topic I talked about with like Darren Waller. I think where most dudes go wrong as it relates to aging running backs, especially in redraft is an aging running back will play really well for a team. And as he starts to get up in age, his performance declines a little bit. And like that last year of his contract with them, he um, he doesn't play as well. And then he moves over to a new team where he can get a lot more opportunity, right? We've seen it with like Leonard Fournette a million times. We've seen it with all those types of dudes. And then everyone goes, yeah, he's still in his prime and now he's getting opportunity again. But it's that rechasing of the prime. Once an older player is out of his prime and you try to get back to where he was, Talent-wise, it's just not there anymore. You are one year too late on it. That's where I think most people make mistakes. Um, I, 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 so I don't want to go like too deep into the conversation, but it, it, it's typically very fucking obvious as it relates to aging running backs and people like rechasing their youth and their prime. But that's as long as they've left their prime. Like they have to have left their prime in order for them to rechase it. A dude like Christian McCaffrey, it's like, yeah, he's older and now he's on a new team. He never left his prime, though. He was always fucking amazing. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dudes who, like, clearly declined in performance. Um, like the dead zone running back. Let's see this here. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's a guy, right? Like, mm, I guess he had a pretty good year last year, but he's not a guy I wanted. He's not a guy I want to invest in this year. He looked like a step slower to me this year. He didn't catch a lot of passes this year. Like, he looked like a guy that. I'm not trying to use an early pick on. It's dudes like that that I've, I feel like a lot of the dead zone running backs this year are actually like probably decent picks. A lot of uh, so I went I went through I went through um, in this video earlier on. I don't know if someone wants to be a fucking legend and timestamp this thing out. I went through the Rashad Penny signing. Um, I like it high upside. I wouldn't get overly excited about it. They gave him one year, a million bucks, a million and a half bucks. Obviously not like overly excited about him there. Um, they had Bijan Robin Robinson visit yesterday. So it's like they, oh boy.
my bad. Camera died. Um, might die again soon, so I'm probably actually going to dip off. Also, Nick, restock the black and gold row pass. I got you. I think we're going to do that soon. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm I, well, I think Gainwell stays in Philly. I just don't think he's going to be that exciting for fantasy. I low-key love love. I think Jordan Love's actually going to have a fucking really underrated phenomenal year. I think he's going to be pretty good in Green Bay. Need to know your thoughts on Atlanta's new quarterback. Sorry if you already talked about Yeah, I'm going to make a, a full uh, Lamar Jackson video within the next week or so. So you'll hear my thoughts then. All right. Thank you guys for joining me. This will be up on podcast if you want to re-listen to it later. Uh, hit the thumbs up button if you've been hanging around for this entire time. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. And uh, leave any comments because I'm going to be replying to comments by making YouTube short videos because they've allowed that feature now. I can literally make a video replying to the comments, which is fucking shit. All right. Love you. I'm out of here.